everyone. This is so comfortable. Why oh, haven't we hi. always recorded like this? On a couch. Look at me. Hi, doggy. <laughs> so natural. Fall it's so natural <laughs> to have an eight-pound microphone stand <laughs> on your lap. On my lap. <clears throat> so how's it going? All right. Really? Okie dokie. Yeah, I guess. What do you mean? I don't know. Uh, Cormac McCarthy died. Oh, yeah, right. think you should maybe respect that a little more. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. How dare you? Yeah, rip the legend. The legend. Um Yeah, I texted you and I mean he was old, right? He was eighty nine. Yeah. So I'm assuming it was just like natural causes or whatever. Yeah. And Mabel. You know, it is one of those things where like it's it's one of those artists that you know rightfully would kind of I don't know that he'd despise me, mm-hmm. but I know that he wouldn't like me. Why do you, you say know? that? Because I think that I'm somebody who looks to his writings for like meaning and value. And I think that he's smart enough to know that that's not the way to read the stuff that he's writing. If that makes sense. Um, I mean, it makes sense. I don't agree okay. with you. I don't, I don't think he would, I mean, he very obviously kind of made it a point to get these last two books out before he died. Right. Yeah. So it seems like he had a purpose in writing what he wrote. Yeah. So, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, I think it's getting mixed up. I found my old an old social media site Mm -hmm. that I used to kind of post to. And just looking back on that stuff, we're talking like 2013, it's like 10 years ago. Yeah. Like I like the me back then, but he was trying so hard, you know? Yeah. Just, just trying so hard to figure it out. And, um, I think that's 20s, though. I think everybody's like that in their 20s. 2013? I think that was oh, my tw- 30s. <laughs> well, okay, sure. Same thing, 30s. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think once you hit 40, or maybe late 30s. Yeah, I think that there's a natural progression. I, I do, you know, everyone says, like, the, what would you tell yourself, your younger self? And it's like, I don't know that I would tell myself much. Mm-hmm. Because some of it is like you just kind of got to grow into it. Yeah. You, you you can't be given the answers. Even if you think you understand, there's just no way to, to, to know, to know it for real mm-hmm. until you're right. There's something about experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. Just experiencing life and then having that kind of flavor in, which again is another bad structure of our society where we're just like cranking the, these kids out of school into college into a career 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you know anything? Right. How do you know anything in your 20s and like 30s? And that's that's when we're preaching, these are your prime years. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, the, these are the years where you decide what the rest of your life will look like. Yeah. Um. So I, <laughs> I look back on myself and again, I'm like, you know, A for effort. Like there is a lot there that's just like, oh man, you were just, you were sincere in mm-hmm. what you were saying and doing, but sure. that's not the way to do it. And I just feel like that's how Cormac McCarthy would view me. You know what I mean? It would just be one of those like, like th- there's certain people who hate their audience, like Ben Shapiro and all them, who are like, they know their audience right. are just like, they treat them like trash. You know, yeah. they don't respect their intelligence by the stuff they talk about. And then in the things they sell them, it's just, you know, schemes. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> he didn't come to writing, though, until he was really old, right? Older? Well, he he was always somebody who, like, would write and then didn't use or see writing as a platform to advance himself on. Uh-huh. His second wife talks about them living in like abject poverty, even as he's publishing books and being offered like two thousand dollars to come talk about your your latest latest book. Mm-hmm. You'd just be like, nope. And then they, and then she'd be like, and then we'd go wash in the creek and eat <laughs> and eat beans. Like you know, he's <laughs> a published author who's like eating beans, All right. and having baths. Stupid loser. In a creek. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I And I think that he respected people who looked at life that way. And and I don't... Sure, I, yeah. I'm looking for the shortcuts. I mean, I, I don't... I don't know. There's something about that that's just as pretentious as a 30 year old writing something on Facebook or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's maybe more commitment to it, (laughs) but it's like, what did you more commitment to the bit? What, right. What do you get by eating beans and washing in a Creek when you could like have an apartment with a shower? Like you get truth. Exactly. But what does truth get you in the, in the end you're dead anyway. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, here's the other thing. Like, so I've I've been a little introspective, so pardon me, um, as I dip back into my thirties mm. for a second. Um, Suck my white ass! And let's just hope I don't dare go near my twenties. I want pancakes. Nobody wants to hear hear my twenties. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just to be clear, that that is not the danger. <laughs> that is not the danger. The danger is instead of me reading, like, saves the day lyrics right. to you. <laughs> and then explaining <coughs> why they're so deep and meaningful. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? What? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you totally got me sidetracked. Um, no. Let me dip back into my 30s, is what you yeah, said. So, so what I was going to say, can you imagine if we had, like, a transcript? Can you read me back? The, the last 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, people won't expect us to remember <laughs> names in a show. Please. We can't remember what we talked about. Um, so what I was going to say is, 
I had it and then I lost it again. Hold on. It's going to come back. Oh, you know, I was thinking about this. Like, Cormac McCarthy basically read Faulkner and probably read the Bible. And, like, he probably read some Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's pretty much it. Like, he, he probably read a lot. Yeah. But the modern person has access to so much more content. Sure, yeah. You know, like audiobooks. Again, I, in looking back on like my reading list for the, for this year mm -hmm. that I already beat and thinking about the books that I've <laughs> <Right>. read <laughs> and the movies that I've watched, it's like, uh -huh. what, how many movies did Stanley Kubrick watch in his lifetime? Yeah. I wonder if I've watched more in like a month stretch <laughs> right. when I was really pushing it than Stanley Kubrick watched in like 10 years. Yeah. And, and part of that is access, but I think part of that is the way that you process. You know, if we, we are forced to process, process things on such a faster clip mm -hmm. and that might lead to more superficial an analysis and engagement. I think that's broadly true. I think that that's true. Like if you think about how people look at representation mm -hmm. or like the Bechdel test, you know, how that became like the standard for, is there, you know, kind of diversity of female representation? Well, do the Bechdel test. Mm -hmm. The Bechdel test is basically just a, how many women were talking what were they talking about? Check the box. It's not it's arbitrary. Yeah, it's not analyzing the content mm -hmm. of the of the film um, or the quality of the film or the quality of the representation. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I do think that we've gotten shallower, but I think it's crazy that we have access to more content than ever before. And it's, if you look broadly at society, I think it just made everybody shallow. I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. You have no broader perspective on it than that, but do you yeah. think that's true? Uh, I mean, I guess by its nature, it has to be true because I don't think... Because I said it? Thank I, you. Well, I don't think... I appreciate that. I don't think you can create non-shallow content quickly. It ha It has to take time, I feel like. So in order to, if everyone is taking as much time as something needs to be created, then by default, we're not getting more and more, you know what I mean? Well, and I feel like the industry has changed. Like if we think about writing, and we've talked about this before, but the market now forces people to write at a faster clip in order to make a livable wage. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, I feel like it was harder to get published but if you got published, you you kind of you could just kind of live off of that. Mm -hmm. You could then be a professor, teach writing or whatever. Now the market is so flooded, and what people love to read is just like the I I don't know if I was talking to you or I was talking to somebody. Uh, I think my coworker. I was like, if you just go based on what is highly reviewed on like Audible, mm -hmm. my analysis is that the people 
who highly rate all the highly, and I'm talking like not, oh, 6,000 people read this and liked it, but like 200,000 people read this and it's pushing like over four stars mm-hmm. type stuff. That shit is terrible. Yeah. It's awful. And it feels like the people who rate yeah. that stuff are are basically looking for like background noise. Sure. That all they yeah. want is like, oh, this thing was playing in the background and it helped me not feel so lonely. <laughs> but the actual books, if you listen to it, there's like nothing there. Yeah. There's nothing happening. Um, and that's why I found so frustrating as I've like tried to find better books to read and stuff like that is if you just go off of general aggregates, especially with books for some mm-hmm. reason, it's like the worst stuff rises to the top. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't know why, why that, like what purpose is that serving? Uh, it's probably has something to do with advertising. Like those are the books that get pumped on social media. Yeah. Well, I mean, TikTok books. Like publishers are paying for it. This is, yeah, this is random too. You know what I've noticed on like YouTube and stuff, a new series of videos, um, which I don't understand. Somebody's like, it's it's always stuff like, um, I watched all of the um, Shrek movies. Mm-hmm. Back to back to back to back, and then it's a picture of them looking like distraught or uh-huh. disheveled. All right, and it's these videos where people like, what's the um eating challenge? The gross eat where people force feed themselves M- a mukbang, something like mukbang? that. Mukbang, uh-huh. but it's like for bad or for like bad just movies. other content and yeah. bad movies. Yeah. I don't watch them, but I'm. Those are the ones that tempt me now. I'm. Uh-huh. I'm beyond the. Uh, watch me and my dad listen to radio. <laughs> right. Radio head. I haven't seen those before, but the face thing is definitely. Uh, I won't. Wouldn't say algorithm, but it's like a thing. It gets you more views. People are more willing to click on your video. Oh, if I you're know. I know that crazy the, face. The yeah, the, the face thing. But I don't understand. Like, why? If I had a YouTube channel. And I guess it's all in service to the algorithm. Yeah. But if you went through all the trouble to make a YouTube channel, I mean, I don't know. How would you feel if you if you then were like, I'm ready to upload this. I watched every <clears throat> Disney movie back to back for over the last week. Yeah. And I went crazy. Yeah, I like, think about that sometimes too. I think some people just aren't as precious about it maybe. But I, I think about that. I mean, I guess we could say the same thing about this podcast, but... I've been watching a lot of um, woodworking videos. Sure. And those are always titled something like the biggest disaster of my career. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's clickbait stuff, basically. But I I think it's the same um, idea as the movies thing. But then I'm watching this. I'm watching. I'm watching this one channel now, Four Eyes Furniture, which is good enough. And it's and it, it, he takes a lot of time with his videos, and he puts a lot of effort into it. Yeah. And it has a, it's the production is great, and I imagine putting in all of that work. And he very clearly has a vision for what he he wants these videos to be. And then at some point in the middle of the video, there's like a 
two minute ad? sponsored ad read that he's doing. And it's like, I just couldn't imagine working so hard on this channel and being so considerate of the editing and all this. And then having to put in two minutes Manscaped or talking about your balls right, athletic be, greens or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, I, you know, to me again, I think that, I think as things have opened up in, in spaces like even this podcast or mm. whatever, that there is a service to filling space and, you know, I, I think we've, we've done this because there's a gap in, in my experience. There's a gap between here's a professional who's going to read a manscape ad two minutes into this thing and whose discussion on this film is going to like have to be edited to time mm -hmm. and have to be like structured. Like, again, I, I remember being younger in my twenties and being like, who are the smartest people out there? Okay. I'll listen to all things considered NPR. Mm -hmm. And it's always like, all right, we watched there will be blood, a movie that I love and have a lot to say about. And I see it's like an eight minute segment mm -hmm. where it's like, Oh, they're just going to, yeah, it was it was great for eight minutes and then be done and read read two ads and then be out. And it's like, well, I don't I don't want that. Like that's not what I want. And then on the other side, there's um people who will like sandwich it in be between like, well, I've stayed up for the last three days watching this other stuff. I'm gonna talk about that and then we'll talk about, you know, um there will be blood. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I don't know, can can someone just be normal? <laughs> like, can I, I, I'm not smart enough or funny enough to do a bit, you know, that's the mm. other thing. And I think that there are some people who are like, they, they out, they overthink themselves out of just creating a space of like honesty in, in podcasts or whatever, where it's like, it is inherently, like corny and all that stuff is true. But at the same time, like sometimes you just want to hang out with people a little bit and you, and you don't have access to it. Yeah. You know, and it's good to like on podcasts after I watched Bo's afraid, the first thing I did was plug in Apple podcasts and yeah, you know, I mean, just not a lot stuck. Right. Yeah. There's not a lot out there. there there's not a lot out there. It's it's usually again it's people doing it professionally. Also, did you hear about Gimlet? No. G Gimlet is now over. It's Spotify's fully like absorbed it, and they fired the last two hundred people. Really? And they were like a year away from their from ten years, and that's like what Bloomberg. What was his name? Alex, Alex Bloomberg. Bloomberg talked about when he started it. Remember startup? Yeah. He's like most companies don't make it ten years. And that's that's my goal for this. Now they did sell for two hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> but but what I find so interesting is like, even when it was going on, and I listened to those shows, Reply All, and I mm -hmm. listened to to Startup. Yeah. Um, I do believe that they were sincere. But as soon as you start making that podcast and you start going down that professional route, you have to understand that you're inherently sacrificing the journalism for a, a, a sellout of, for $200 million. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're, you, you basically have become a company 
man at that point. Yeah. Like, because uh, once you start looking for venture capital, that's where he started. I, um, I wonder if he did now, if he'd go straight to like Patreon. Yeah, it seems like Patreon has kind of um, f- filled that space. Uh, it, but there's still some like old, old, like not old media, but like the trans transitory media, like Gimlet. That's like they, they, I think it's probably highly likely that, yeah, basically he would just do Patreon instead of having to create this entire company around podcasts he wanted to make. Yeah. It's funny because again, they are either people who got turned into the things that they hate, that they hated. Yeah. Because Reply All fell apart because they were basically union busting, right? They Mm -hmm. were union busters, even as they are like the podcast, the tech podcast for the people or whatever. Right. And then Alex Bloomberg and his partner, I'm sure that they are the ones who are like sitting pretty after that, that buyout. And I bet a lot of longtime producers didn't get to see a lot of that buyout cash. Yeah. Unless they got, you know, stock in the company or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to believe that they all thought that they would be doing serious journalism and instead they're gone and you can now just listen to somebody who's like watching all the Razzie movies in order yeah, and talking about them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of comes back around to the Cormac McCarthy thing where it's like, it just, it depends on like what you're what you like he very obviously had a a vision and an idea for what he wanted to write and he was never going to sway from that even if he had to eat beans and wash in a creek in a creek you know and but then there's like gimlet or like bon appetit you know bon appetit had that big blow up a few years ago um and some of it was centered around uh, not enough diversity in their like cooking, and then when they would do diverse recipes, they'd have the white people do the cooking. But you look at YouTube, and the the reason they do it is because the videos that get the most views are fancy grilled cheese. You know what I mean? <laughs> people aren't watching videos for uh for a variety of foods, you know? So it's like, do you want to just get views and make more money? Because if you do, then you're going to be like constrained to a very narrow criteria, you know? But if you want to, uh, you know, teach people how to cook or explore different cultures and blah, 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 then you're going to take some hit to your views. I also don't think that people engage in media in a way that supports like a team i think it really is the age of the individual right now so even out of bon appetit like who's still going Mm -hmm. it's brad brad do you still watch bon appetit no neither do i but i saw that he um uh 
a video from his channel just popped up in my recommend. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if he left and started his own channel. So yeah. he did. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know, but but again, I think what what I'm saying is like Bon Appetit as a as a channel or whatever represents such a broad swath of figures and people, and I think that people watched even when it was huge watched it for their specific people yeah for sure yeah i don't know that people are like bon appetit i'm excited they're like i love brad right i love carla or i love you know sola or yeah you know, wh whoever and i i just don't know that 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 approach can work anymore i think that it is like now it's it's that kid who's always on all the food youtube what Westerman or I forget his name. Oh, Weissman. Weissman. Joshua, the meme cook. Yeah, the, the meme cook. Yeah. And then there's Brad Langer. He does Brian Lagerstrom. Like Lagerstrom. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's individuals, you know what I mean, who dominate. It's not a channel. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if they came together, I think that people would watch them less mm -hmm. than if they stayed their own channels that people can like have weird parasocial relationships with them about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. Well, here, here's an, here's another question for you. Do you, um, like I follow MinMax, mm -hmm. but I don't understand. Um, would you ever put something on your calendar to watch like you two people do something like an event like like an event like hey guys this two what's today tuesday tuesday 8 p.m tune in we're gonna do a big like a stream stream together yeah. um i mean i don't think i i have outside of like when there was a new raid in destiny I would, I didn't, I didn't have like a specific person I would watch, but I would like go to the, the, the destiny channel and see and, and watch people do the raid. But yeah. I don't think I would like, but, but what if they're trying to do something personal? Come watch us hang out with each other. Yeah. No. See. I, oh, I, you mean like as a group hangout? Yeah. Like I don't want to get specific cause I feel like it would be mean, mean. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> but there have been some things that have popped up. Yeah. That was like, I just want to see. And then I watched like 10 seconds. I was like, I can't, I have no idea mm -hmm. what the makeup of the person who's like, oh, 3 p.m., the picnic stream. I got yeah. I got to tune in and watch them have a picnic. Yeah. Like, I don't, what, what is that? Yeah. I don't, that, that, like you said, it's a parasocial thing. It's not, maybe it's a generation thing. It's not something I, it gives me the creepy crawlies. Yeah. I, I don't. And, and again, that's like, that seems to be the push. Like, I don't know, man. And again, maybe it is just like the old man in me. <laughs> it's like, instead of doing a picnic, or like, we're gonna climb the tallest tree in our city. Come watch us. I'd rather be like, hey, we're gonna sit down and talk about Bo's afraid. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like on a couch. Yeah. And just, but, but we're going to try and have a good conversation about it. Can I also say that I'm doing this podcast without water? It's right there. Oh, dang it. Why'd you put it over there? You're going to have to work for it. You also laid, when I walked in, we're recording in the living room. You ah. had this microphone laid down. It fell. If it was laying down, then it fell in over. In such a way. It was, that made it was me standing up. You had some scenario played out in your mind. <laughs> Looking at where you placed the water now, you, I imagine you pictured me like laid out. Like a lady on top of a piano. <laughs> I imagined you sitting in the other corner of the couch. Why would I sit there? Why would you sit where you sat? What difference does it make? There's no, I'm right-handed. There's nothing for me to, nowhere for me to put the right, my right hand. You're my not right putting arm. your right arm anywhere right now. We're not a visual medium, so I will. <clears throat> well, now I have to disrupt Ace. So I hope you're happy. Hamburger. Talk to him. Do you want to um, talk about something? Yeah, yeah, do you? Well, I mean, we didn't have anything on the agenda specifically. Oh, did you look at the agenda? Well, is there an agenda? You just used the word agenda, so I'm wondering where you're talking. You're wrong. Uh, I was just talking theoretically. We saw Spider-Man. I figured we could talk about that. And there's been the Games Fest stuff. I figured we could talk about that. I have a few things to say about all of that. And I want to talk about, um, a book and there's some, something else, but I forgot. Okay. Spider-Man. My hair is too long. Yep. We can also talk about... uh, Before we we talk about Spider-Man, can I say, what's your take on Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler is exactly who he's been for the past five years. For the past however long he's been in the league. He's has a couple of amazing moments in the playoffs that gets everyone riled up. He's the second coming of Michael Jordan. And then I don't know if he just gets gassed or if he shrinks, but then he just kind of disappears. His turnover last night. That's what he's done for. I mean, it's what he's done literally every playoffs for the past however many years. Yeah. Um, okay. But when he's at, when he's, you know, when he's fun, he's fun. It's a lot of fun. I still like him. Yeah. But you also ruined him for me when you, <laughs> and he, he did it a lot. He yeah. He did it a lot. <laughs> he did it to his own teammate. He, he did it to his own teammate. He got, he got that call, that three point, uh, call mm-hmm. where he kicked his leg out. Where he kicked his leg out. Uh huh. Um, so. Yep. Okay. Anyway. Um, yes, yeah, Spider-Man, you, you have some strong feelings. Yeah. So we watched the second Spider-Man, which is a two-parter. If you didn't know, because there's no way to know unless you're reading Spider-Man websites before you go to see the movie or something. Uh, 
It's two and a half hours long, and it's only one part of a movie. Uh, it's, it's The Godfather, yeah. part one <laughs> um, of animated. So, yeah, we saw Spider-Man a couple weeks ago, and my take on the movie before, before it was even over, before I even knew it was only half of a movie was this is too long. There's a lot of meandering in the movie. The big family barbecue s- sequence goes on for way too long. He way, leaves, way, way too He long. leaves like three times. Yeah, it's so long. He's late coming, then he leaves, then he's back with Gwen. Yeah. And then they leave again. And then that and then towards the end there's like it's almost like the it's like a return of the king level false there's so many false endings where it's like you keep thinking it's going to end but it's at such a weird place you're like it can't end right here because they haven't really wrapped anything up. And then we were meeting people for dinner afterwards. And I literally texted in the group thread. I think we still have 15 minutes left. And as soon as I press send, the movie ended. That's how blindsided <laughs> I was by it. That explains a lot. I remember looking over at you and just seeing you like you just got punched. Yeah. In the gut, you're just like... <clears throat> <clears throat> because I remember trying to plan everything out and thinking, okay, movie's two and a half hours long. There's 30 minutes for trailers, so we'll probably be out of the theater around six-ish. It gets to be six-ish, and I'm like, how is this, how, this movie is, I thought this was going to end. I like that you knew. And sure enough, it did. I like like (laughs) that you knew the runtime of the movie. And it still caught me off guard. And and it's, that's how much of a blindside it is. What do you? What would you argue? Would you want like part ones to be in titles? And technically, it's a part two because it's a sequel to the first one. Sure, but the first one is a full movie that begins and ends. This is a movie that begins and that's it. Clearly, it doesn't end because there's a two. Um. So yeah, that that really soured me on the movie. Outside of that. You know, the animation is great. I mean, the animation is so cool. Just the way it looks is so awesome. Um, But the other issue I find myself having with this movie, I've been listening to um, the best show has a bunch of Patreon shows, and one of them is AP Mike is watching all... He's going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe one by one. He's doing what I just complained about. So, yeah. (laughs) But he's AP Mike, so I'm sure you're getting it. Right. So he's doing that, and I'm listening to each one. And the, the clips they pull out of these movies, not to just the random, this is the moment we're talking about. There's no meaning behind it other than that. But the clips and the dialogue is so cringe-inducing. I I don't 
understand how anybody is able to get through any of these movies. What's he on? What's he up to? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, He watched... uh, Do you know who James Urbaniak is? Yeah. He watched whichever one James Urbaniak was in. And he's just doing movies, not TV shows? He's doing like one or two episodes of the TV shows, but not the full run. But so I'm I'm running into that. And like before we walk into the movie, I think it was Bill said to us, like, this is a this is a movie for dads. Right. And so I can't watch these movies. Or I can't say these movies because I don't watch the comic book movies. I can't watch this movie and get get to any sort of like emotional or meaningful part and not get like angry that there are people that this is like genuinely connecting with on like a really deep level and it's like the fucking spider-man movie you know what i mean like (laughs) was it you that shared that screenshot of them sitting upside down and it was like one of the most beautiful moments in cinematic history or whatever. It was like, come, come on. on, it's Spider-Man. This is so stupid. It's so childish. I don't know. There's definitely that element of like, of just the, the of reaction of, of like my reaction to it that I am no longer able to separate of like, I know people are taking this so serious that it makes me not like it. Well, and also people our age who grew up on like comic books, they're totally projecting what those books mean to them mm-hmm. on a society that does not broadly share that sentiment, you know? Yeah. So yeah, growing up for you, Spider-Man was that kind of like aspirational, I can be meaningful i can be a hero even though i'm an outcast or whatever mm-hmm. whereas now i think kids are they're like yeah let's go watch new spider-man it's something to do yeah you know so yeah people are like this is such a beautiful moment it's like yeah maybe for a weird <laughs> middle yeah, age yeah it, it, yeah and that's the projection. other thing too it's like there's been so many posts on reddit too about like um Gwen Stacy is 16 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Calm down, guys. <laughs> At uh, ease, boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, <clears throat> I mean, if outside of that, you know, like I said, you take 25, 30 minutes out of the movie, and I, I don't know. I mean, I understand just from like a an aesthetic level or just from like a artistic level or whatever not wanting to be like part 1 you know what i mean but and there's also look look kill bill is half a movie kill mm-hmm. bill is two parts and yet both movies feel like complete movies you know this straight up felt like it just ended in the middle of a movie they yeah. did not do a good job of a beginning, middle, and end. 
Yeah, there there are people who are like freaking out about this, and I think the animation is like next level. Yeah, I think I think the animation is it's worth seeing for that alone. Is amazing, um, but the the pacing of it, mm-hmm. it's an odd. It was strange. It's very strange. It, it's an odd duck, and to <clears throat> not hear people deal with that makes me feel or maybe read in a little too much of like is is this just the prod product of like adults getting lost in their children's movie Mm -hmm. like adults were like let's let's make this one for for us for adults and but then oh but it's still it's gotta be for kids yeah and that to me is like i think they pulled it off but the weirdest thing for me as a viewer of this is like handling the tonal shift of it's silly, goofy, cartoony, nothing matters. He's Spider-Man. Yeah. He's got powers. It's, I can't really care, but like the action doesn't hold any weight to it mm-hmm. because they're, comic book people. yeah and i guess that's the other thing too is is we rewatched the first one um this past weekend and it's a lot goofier than the second well, one see that, yeah the second one is very serious that, that, that's what i'm saying where it's like it has some of the goofiness in <clears throat> like some of the action mm-hmm. like what's the what's the villain um whole his name's not holtz Spot sit spot. Mm-hmm. That spot action scene is like absurdist, yeah, cartoony, and like yeah, has a lot of the the feeling of the first film. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching that like, okay, I'm on board. And then later on, you want to have it be like, oh, um, now now we. Now this is meaningful. Right. It's like uh, it's like all the Spider-Man chasing after him is like goofy funny. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you have him chained to a pole by himself, <laughs> <laughs> being threatened to be tortured and killed yeah. by himself. Oh, I guess spoiler alert. Yeah. But that, like, again, trying to bridge that gap from, like, I just saw a Spider-Man Tyrannosaurus Rex. Right. To like, he's been chained up by his uncle. (laughs) (laughs) Right. In a kill kill room. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty intense, man. Right. Yeah. So, but the animation is great. I do think, here's, here's what I will say. I feel like Pixar needs to do this, but I feel like a lot of the people involved in this Spider-Man make an r-rated adult animation or at least pg like make make the thing that you guys clearly want to make Mm -hmm. because especially lately in a lot of these movies there's always a moment where i'm like yeah this isn't for kids Mm -hmm. but also this is for you know broadly speaking this is for kids right okay I think we've progressed to the point where you can make your PG-13 rated animated movie and people will go see it and they'll get over the fact that you 
had an F-bomb in it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we're in that weird... This one definitely is in that weird middle ground of like adult and kid. And we just, we're trying to push them together and force it down your throat. But just, it, it's just awkward. Mm-hmm. It's a little awkward. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, four stars for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's worth seeing just for the animation because the animation is really great. Yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm too down on boy, it. Boy, oh boy. Just know that it's a two-parter and it, it's half of a movie. And forget that I spoiled part of the end. That's a that's my rating. And because it's half of a movie, I'm only going to give it a half rating. What's our rating system? I was doing Letterboxd. What's Letterboxd? Should we do our own? Letterboxd is out five. Five All right, stars. then I give it two and a half stars. That's tough. Um... <clears throat> They make me vomit. I have a rating question for you. All right. Goodreads, I've talked about this, rates have five stars, but they don't let you do halves. Mm -hmm. So I've started a decimal system in my written review. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) Uh (laughs) So so you rate it on Goodreads, and then in your written review, you add the the decimal... Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I don't see what's so funny about it. Uh-huh. You know what? You're like that video I sent you where the guy's like, yeah, so don't tell your young coworkers that you like Macklemore. Because <laughs> they will laugh at you. But laugh at you in a way where you know the joke's on you. <laughs> right. Um, it's just funny. It's a funny distinction. So here's the, uh, so here's the problem. Uh-huh. Looking at it, I was like, I want I want clarity here because I tend to rate books high. And the problem was is I was getting a lot of like four-star books where I'm like, oh, this book is really good and this book kind of good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need, a, I need a better distinction, especially with books where you can have a nuanced, more nuanced feeling mm-hmm. about it, I think. So... I would rate like three stars mm-hmm. if a book ranked anywhere from three to 3.9. <laughs> okay. And then four stars for anything four to 4.9. Right. Five stars got the five. Uh-huh. The problem is I just read a book that's a 4.8. Right. And I feel justified in dinging it 0.2. Sure. But still gets the four. Yeah. So does it, should I round up as soon as it's 3.5? Should I then mark in Goodreads as a four? Because again, Goodreads is just going off of the plain, you know, ranking. Right. And so this book that I love, getting a 4.8, I'm actually bringing its average down, which I don't think is fair. Oh, it should have earned the five then. So you would not round up. No, it didn't. You can't. You didn't. It didn't get there. Yeah. See that that on my personal scale, I like that. But when I look at Goodreads and then I look at like again the bull crap that's sitting at like four point sure. six, and it's truly like oh I read that because it's like oh this is highly and it's trash, mm-hmm. and this book that's like eh, three point nine, and I'm like no that's a that's a five mm-hmm. comparatively sure. 
So it sent me in a little bit of an a, but you know, up at the five, that's where like Cormac McCarthy is. Right. So it makes me feel weird putting like what I read was a great horror book. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel a little weird being like right up there with like Cormac McCarthy should just have his own rating system just for. <laughs> hey, Keith, what'd you think of the new Cormac? Oh, uh, you got a full Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> out of <laughs> I give it three Cormacs. <laughs> no, it's just one rating system. And the system is basically perfect every time. Right. It's just, yeah, you did it again. You did, it's you a Cormac a McCarthy book. That's the rating. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to talk about, uh, summer games fest. Sure. Who is that for? Is that for me or for you? Or for summer games fest? That was for summer Jeff games Keeley. fest. Um, did you watch the, did you watch the main summer game fest presentation? I watched some of the main. I watched some, and then I watched the skill up recap. I watched some of the Xbox no, I watched pretty much all of the Xbox. Um, well, I watched the Xbox and then I would fast forward through a game I knew I wasn't interested in. So I kind of watched I don't even want to know <laughs> how you determined if you're interested in this game or not. We're not even going to touch that. And then I watched all of the Starfield direct. And then I watched the skill up recap of the Xbox one. Yeah. Um, first off, I do want to say, I think the skill up guy, I feel like I'm going to eat my words in two weeks when something comes out, mm-hmm. but I feel like he's kind of doing it exactly how I would imagine like the, like the perfect YouTube channel. Yeah. I wish I had like a skill up in every area. Yeah. Film books, Music, well, right. I do think Anthony Fantano is doing a, a good job on the music side, broadly speaking. Yeah. But, yeah, Skill Up, I think he he has thoughtful commentary. He knows the business. He's not trying to, like, you know. Um, he seems to be happy just doing the YouTube channel. Yeah. He's not, yeah, he's not trying to push you to go buy whatever else that he's doing and then starting this other thing on the side. And then he was in a, um, a showcase that I would recommend to you. I actually made Indie watch it, mm-hmm. uh, the Devolver Digital. Okay. He makes an appearance there. Watch that. It's like 20 minutes. They show like four games. One game I'm going to play. I really, want you to play it too. I really want to force you to play this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if I should spoil it, but um, they show one game. And I'm like, I'm really excited to play that. Um, so yeah. Where do you want to start? Uh, well, I guess we can just. What stood out to us. Yeah. What stood out to you? The, the first thing I'll say is I do see on a, like a market level like industry level that awkward thing where like Jeff Keeley is trying to justify the summer game fest, like calling mm-hmm. it summer game fest. And like that main presentation that he does mm-hmm. does not need to happen. Yeah. Or it needs to be shorter mm-hmm. um, because the stuff that he's creating space for is truly like the table scraps 
and trying to like spin those scraps into gold Mm -hmm. and it just creates an awkward you know kind of presentation for Mm me um where like the highlights have been like Keanu Reeves coming out for Cyberpunk and Nicolas Cage coming out for Dead by Daylight. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I would say first of all that n- neither of these need to exist. They oh, they should only exist neither what neither of the presentations. Like Xbox. Something. Yeah. Uh, no. I, unless they're going I to think show. Xbox unless they're going to show the games running and being played, and what it looks like to actually play the game. You don't need to do a fucking press conference. I don't need to watch f- 10 trailers in a row. Show me what the game looks like. I don't care about the trailers. And Xbox did this whole thing before the their presentation where in it was like, game. this entire, the, there are no cinematics. The entire thing is in engine or whatever. And it was all cinematics. They, didn't sh- they showed like one or two games actually being played. But anyways, so... I actually made a note of this. I don't understand the appeal of having celebrities show up and talk, just give a PR speech about the game there. Well, that's what I'm saying, because you don't have, why else would people watch? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, we're going to show you some like, is this a mobile game? Is it not? Oh, wait, who's, who's made this? Do I even know this studio? Yeah. What platform is this for? Like that that's what you're gonna fill your Summer Games Fest presentation with. Right. So you need Nicolas Cage and Keanu Reeves. But there's only so many before you get like a dud celebrity out there, and then even that's not gonna work. And then what are you gonna have? Yeah. You know? Um Keanu Reeves. I haven't seen a Keanu Reeves movie. A recent one. He sounded and looked kind of bad. Is that what he sounds like and looks like? It seemed like he was like slurring his words. Did it not? Did you watch the last? I I was like, I was watching it and I honestly was thinking like in the next six months, we're going to get some bad news. No, I did not get that. Okay, sense. well, maybe I'm just reading into it then. Did you watch the third season of I Think You Should Leave? Yes. <laughs> Which there are so many times that I wanted to. Um, are you, did you pull it Yes, we watched the whole thing. No, I saw you reaching. Like, oh, no, I didn't pull anything up. You didn't pull anything. Um, but there's a sketch where he's like, I wish you could see the world through my eyes. <laughs> yeah. And then his coworker, <laughs> the does. one with Sharpling. Yes. Yeah. And um, I feel like that, like, I want to see <laughs> Keanu Reeves through your eyes. <laughs> he looks like the Crypt Keeper, probably. <laughs> it just seemed like, he just seemed shaky, I guess. Well, he seemed, like, he has that energy. I think that's just him. Maybe. I guess um, it's just been a while. Well, well, also, to me, he struck me as, like, that's what a movie star is. Mm-hmm. Like, Anybody who's not a movie star, you get up there and you deliver your line. Say what you need to do. You don't look goofy. You look fine. Mm-hmm. A movie star gets up there and does something that is goofy as hell. Uh-huh. And then you watch all the thing. You're like, what the hell was that? But you got a dumb smile on your face. Mm-hmm. They do it in a way that makes you 
like compelled. And sure. Keanu Reeves and Nicolas Cage, I think, represent that. Can, can we just really quickly interrupt here for I think you should leave season three? Yeah. Um, just really quick. Um, I think you are only here for the zip line. Mm-hmm. And he's too hard on the zip line. He would pull on the zip line. <laughs> Shut up, Gary. <laughs> Wherever he yells at him. Um, what's one more? I just want one more. But there are, I think season three was the most like front loaded. Mm-hmm. Definitely the beginning of the season. There was stuff where I was like crying laughing. Yeah. And then the back end of the season was a little more empty spaces there. Yeah. But some of the moments. Oh, the other moment I want to say to you. For 50 seconds, I thought I lived in a world where monsters existed. <laughs> I know it was a pig. I'm not an idiot. <coughs> yeah. But for 50 <coughs> seconds, I thought that um, line has stuck with me too. The egg video game I thought was hilarious. That was the best moment for me. I don't know. I've never gotten this far before. <laughs> <laughs> What's it doing now? I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I thought it was, it's, there was always at least one or two moments in every sketch that I thought was really funny. He definitely seems to just have one trick. And it's like, by the end of every sketch, he's screaming. Well, well, his trick, but I think the sketches themselves are deeper. Like, the, like I think about the Jason Schwartzman one, mm-hmm. where it's just like, I'm covering for you. And the way, that it, the way you make me cover for you is that I just do more and more. Right. Such a smart, yeah. like, and the way that it goes, where at the end, <laughs> Jason Schwartzman feels like he has to, like, Thank the guy for right. you know, like, like thematically, ideas wise, <clears throat> that's super strong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. But also for me, it's like I, I that's kind of my humor too. Mm-hmm. Like I think about the first one. I think he opens the whole season where he plays like the uh, political talk show host. Mm-hmm. I'll just go on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> my mom, she got mugged. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she's okay. It's yeah. Just some brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, so back to the showcases. Mm-hmm. Um, what stood out to me? The For me, the Xbox showcase was, I disagree with you. I think like there's value in watching that to get you excited about what's coming up. So mm-hmm. I can watch South of Midnight, which I think looks great. I have it's no idea. Right. It's just a guy playing a guitar and a girl walks in. Yeah, but it but it also looks great. It, so as what? A, as a cinematic. So what? As an aesthetic piece of, of art, it looks good. Oh, I don't know about that. And so I can I can watch and be like, man, that is really great. Um, also animation wise. Oh, I started Diablo four. The opening cinematic of Diablo four, I think might be the most incredible opening cinematic. Oh yeah. I've ever played or Uh seen. You don't play it. But to me, it made me think like 
I can't believe that you can do this now. Good googly moogly. Exactly, animation-wise. But no, I was watching, I was like, animation-wise, this is like, this is just like an aesthetic right. piece it of art. It had a cool style. The animation was cool. I have no idea what the game is. The game could be nothing like that. It could, but that's still for that moment gave you something to be like intrigued by, interested by. No, I completely disagree. So it starts with Fable. Fable, don't give a crap about. Richard Iowati. No. Nope. Would you, how do you feel like, what if he really is a villain in the game? Have there been other games that put like a, I guess Keanu Reeves in Cyberpunk, right? Yeah, I didn't play Cyberpunk. I found my copy of Cyberpunk I in know. a box. I know. You tried to play it when I was over there and you couldn't figure out how to play it. I'm, I think I'm going to try and figure <laughs> it out. What problem was I having again? It was it, the tile showed up on the far right end of the screen, <laughs> and you just didn't see it over there. <laughs> uh, I'm a gamer. Yeah, um, I've never played the Fable games though. So I see, mean, ne- that, neither of all I. of that medieval crap is so like lame to me. And he loves do, it. It's great. Ugh, I can't do it. See, uh, that's your nephew's face. Yeah, I mean, I like chivalry, but. I just, oh, yeah. I can't, Look at you, I don't know. Hypocrite. There was so much of that too. That medieval stuff, medieval stuff and Avowed. then fantasy and then anime. Three things that I don't give Atlas. any cares well, about. Xbox is trying to branch into Japanese markets. So they're, they're partnering heavily, heavily with Atlas. Mm-hmm. I think medieval games are always going to be big sellers. Um, so you're always going to get that, yeah. but. There, there was enough there that I found interesting. I'm trying to think. Avowed looks lame. The climbing game looks cool. The climbing game looks cool and still waters. Wake deep. Something. Still wakes the deep. Something still like that. That looked the cool. Deep. Those are the only two that left any sort of impression on me. Still, still wakes the deep. I think it's probably the one I'm most interested in. Mm. Um. But I'm trying to think if there's another uh, another one. That Forza. Yeah, don't give no. a crap about Forza. <laughs> um, yeah, the new Yakuza game. I, I've played a little bit of those. I can't get over the cinematics. The, like, I will play Persona or I'll play a Yakuza game. Mm-hmm. And I'll sit down for 45 minutes to play. And I may be moving the controller 15 minutes. Yeah. And the rest is mm-hmm. just crazy cinematics. And it's like, I get it to a perspective, but like, I kind of want to play the game, I guess. Right. So like Persona 5, I was all like, oh, I'll try this out. I pretty much have stalled out on that. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think everything is trumped by Starfield. Yeah. I had one big takeaway from the whole thing before we talk about Starfield, and this is such a loser take, but, and I know it's not even true, it's like arbitrary, but I couldn't help but feel like the entire Xbox showcase was just son of a bitch. <laughs> um, 
Sorry, let me check my email real quick. Yeah, it sounds like an important one. <laughs> the entire Xbox showcase was, was just like an example of... I don't know. I mean, the con- whole console wars thing is is stupid, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care about console wars. It's an arbitrary, juvenile concept. But you can't help but compare when you only have one console to the other console, PlayStation. And it seems like Sony has always had just the artistic edge on Xbox. Well, that brings up Senua's Sacrifice, the, the sequel to that. Yeah, I know Hellblade. Hellblade. Yeah. But I also watched the Sony showcase a couple weeks ago. So did I. And those games just look so much more interesting to me. First off, we're getting basically all those games. I guess. We're getting the new Bungie game. Yeah. But the, the whole Xbox showcase just feels like businessmen filling out, like, checking boxes. It it's just feels so like an ass- assignment being completed. I feel I feel the complete opposite Ugh. because and and the and Skill Up made this point too mm-hmm. that what was it five games that plays that Sony showed are all like um, extraction shooters like ga- games IP. of service no get games of service oh live service games live yeah. service games. And Xbox is not showing yeah. that. Again, we're going to get almost all of them because they're going to be cross-platform. Yeah. So, like, Marathon, which is probably the, the biggest one that I'm interested in, mm-hmm. that's going to come to Xbox. So, like, what else would you get excited about from Sony? Oh, I can't remember the games, but I just remember them being a lot more artistically driven. And that's kind of been Sony's MO from the beginning. Like it seems not from the beginning, but that's always kind of been the difference between the two is Microsoft seems to have be to be very, I don't know, just very like rigid and it just never feels like the games they show off or the games that come to Xbox. And that's changing now, right? Like you said, because all of these games are becoming cross-platform. But it just feels like all of the games on Xbox have always been we're we're checking boxes. We're making a game to check boxes because we know that this will sell to this demographic. This type of game with this type of art style will sell this many units to this demographic. Where it feels like the games, a lot of the games that Sony chooses to highlight are games from people who had a vision a very specific vision for a very specific game they wanted to make for themselves. Yeah. Weirdly though, doesn't it feel like Sony's kind of getting away from that? Like, like they basically have God of war one Uh, and two that, that are, are they making a three? I'm sure they are. Um, last of us, uh, huh. Uncharted, yeah. But like Uncharted people went and made um Last of Us. Mm-hmm. So like Ratchet and Clank? 
Like, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of little games. The one specifically I can remember is Journey. Did you ever get to play Journey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Journey was so you, great. Yeah, you were you're huge on, it. but I I played one of the second games. I remember just being like, yeah, okay, this it looks mm. pretty, but I've lost it now. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I mean that that new one looks cool, but I don't know. I, I wasn't like if if I just glide around on my blade sure i'd I'd rather play hyper light Dri- what, what's their new one there they're coming out with hyper light drifter is now mm. making a um oh. third person yeah i don't know i don't remember hyper light and then different third word but that that looks cool like you know i, I don't know xbox hi-fi rush right like yeah. as an artistic endeavor i think that one has a lot to say sure i think they i think they are trying to do more of like a corporate approach like game pass is a corporate approach but i do think it ends up benefiting gamers more than any like xbox i i agree console wars are stupid but game pass to me still feels like a complete miracle that's still around the way that it is today yeah and looking at those games and seeing play it on Game Pass, play it on Game Pass, play it on Game Pass, and then some of the third-party stuff that might come to PlayStation that will either end up on Game Pass or be available through Game Pass at some point, mm-hmm. um, I think is pretty ridiculous. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I feel I feel like the tide is turning a little bit, and I feel like Sony is stagnating. The other thing they'll say is Xbox is showing like they were streets ahead. Did you watch Community? No. So they're way ahead of the curve uh-huh. um, in not doing VR. Right. And PlayStation still has to be like, uh yeah, I guess we'll give you this uh the shooter. Right. Like they still have to do something for that, but that is a that's a dead medium, I think, right now. Especially with Apple coming out with their right. augmented reality stuff. Headset. Which again, follow the money. I do think that's gonna be the future. This first no gen, way. Nope. No way for are you no. kidding me? It's no, not until Yes, not, I hear you. Right, not until I don't have to put something on my head. No, you're you're gonna have to put something on your like glasses. Glasses will Headset. be the will be the um, I don't know how to say it, but but glasses, a normal pair of glasses, we'll is, is, is when it will a, a a pair of glasses <laughs> that doesn't have a giant camera strap to it <laughs> is is when that will be will break through to the mainstream until then no the you're not getting hundreds of million of millions of people to strap a headset to their head it's not going to happen no this first iteration is not going to work like but apple behind it to now that they've built this to iterate on it to make it like Look what they did for the watch. People go, oh, I have to have the watch. Mm-hmm. I have to have the watch. You have to have the a watch 
no one was wearing watches like before the Apple Watch launched. And now everybody's like, oh, no, the watch is a cool piece of tech. You need a watch. Right. And so it's it's going to be the same thing where, again, to get in on the infrastructure, to get in on the, on the next week thing. But also, it does reflect our life more. I'm trying to work fully remote. Mm-hmm. You're working fully remote. Mm-hmm. You know, Julia's working fully remote. Our kids went a year of their life fully remote. Mm -hmm. I think that that is going to be, and beyond just like people being like, get back to work physically. Places, number one, can't afford it. And if they can't afford it, it's cutting into the bottom line. So why are they going to do it? Mm -hmm. You know, why do, why do I need to pay for office space? Instead, get everybody this augmented reality headset where you can walk around your, your life, answer your emails, pop in on a call and be roaming around doing the things that you need to do. Like it absolutely is going to be the future. Now, if the future is five years from now, 10 years from now or 15, I do think our children are going to be our age and they're going to be like popping on a visor or something. I mean, like, hey, guys, what do you want to play? Yeah, I got my controller right here. I'll pull it up. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be walking by like, do this thing. Okay, Han. And these, you know what I mean? Like, that, it's going to integrate into our life. Nope. You saw it. <laughs> You saw it with the dumb cord. Bye-bye. With the battery life that doesn't even run the length of a movie. That's what I'm saying. Yes. It sucks. Yeah. It's stupid. And they shouldn't do it. But they will. They'll force it down everyone's throat. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm not wearing a headset for eight hours just to do work. In 10 years, you'll be wearing a company visor. Hmm. Uh, Starfield. What I'll say about Starfield, I enjoyed. So when I watch these presentations, I never watch just the presentation. Uh-huh. I'm usually watching like MinMax reacting to it mm-hmm. so I can get their commentary as I'm kind of, you know, half watching or whatever. Yeah. Starfield was definitely like, I forgot what I was doing. I was cleaning while that was going on, but I was listening and it was definitely a presentation that then, because at first you texted me, you're like, this isn't gameplay. Mm-hmm. And I was behind and I, I watched the Tom Howard, Tim Howard? Todd Howard. Todd Howard mm-hmm. opening. I was like, oh no, is this what this is going to be? Like a corporate. Oh, right. So I was like, I'm going to go clean. Mm-hmm. And then I'm listening, cleaning. And after what you said, I was like, yeah, I don't want just a cinematic breakdown. But then to hear them, Say like, oh yeah, but are you do this? Then a minute later they're like, oh yeah, I guess you can. Mm-hmm. Well, what about this? And then a minute later they're like, oh well, they answered that too. I was like, watching them like be one over and like having it answer specifically every question that they had mm-hmm. about every area that they're talking about. So it's not just like ship design. It's like, yeah, here's how you mod it out. Then you can walk through it. Then you can have the mods do different things. Then you can make them any shape that you want. Then you can, you know what I mean? And and 
the space combat, allocation points, targeting them, pick their scrap up in air, board them. Like mm-hmm. it's just systematically goes through everything. And to watch the sheer ton of like information and vision be presented and seeing people have to just like give it up for again, the game could be not like this. Right. But for what the showcase did, the way they presented the information, and I have to say, they learned a very good lesson of like, let the people from the team talk about the game. Right. I would much rather have the kind of like awkward lead design of the ship part talk about it than have like Todd Howard or whoever like skate me through this whole Mm -hmm. presentation. And so I do think like hearing the vision from all these people who are representing these different systems and also seeing that the systems seemingly were designed with an overall aesthetic, but also independently Mm -hmm. where I do think that argues for the strength of each system. There's no way one person's vision I think can carry across all the systems, but having a guy who like knows ship design do that or knowing combat design, like, leading that Mm -hmm. and the way that they talked about their individualized segments i thought was really encouraging yeah um yeah bungie did that a lot with uh with destiny too Uh, yeah i really like the starfield presentation itself like you said it's very uh information dense and it seems like a Bethesda game where it seems like there's going to, it, it's almost endless. There's just going to be so much stuff to do. Um, with that being said, I've watched multiple Bethesda presentations before. And the in-game product is always different from their presentations. Yeah. And it, it, you know, like I said, the like sheer scope of the games ends up pulling me through despite all the little technical hiccups, bleeps and bloops. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, that's what I'm expecting with Starfield. And the reason why the combat i still don't think that combat was real and the reason why it was too smooth Mm -hmm. and in all of the other elements they showed you could occasionally see a little hiccup or you could like with the people talking you could see the bethesda like stiffness and the kind of feel that they have in those dialogue scenes that that is in every bethesda game the combat was pitch perfect Nary a hiccup to be seen. <laughs> There's no way it was real. All right. I'll I, believe it when I see it. The the thing that I keep, and this is like that that endless optimist in me, is like they obviously understand what's riding on this. And in terms of how they're pitching it, it feels like they are doing exactly what you would want a triple A studio to do, which is like, we understand the assignment. We are throwing everything into this thing. Mm -hmm. Like we, we can't convey to you enough how 
many resources are behind this right. one thing. Yeah. And that's the thing that I keep that keeps pushing me through is like, yeah, this is not no man's sky developers. Like we are offering you the world and we're only four people. Mm -hmm. Like this is a studio that's like, we understand the assignment. We understand that you expect enough money that could have fed an entire country Mm -hmm. to be put into making this game like great. So I don't know, man. And, And the fact that they've delivered a janky, but, you know, fallouts, mm-hmm. even through the the worst case scenarios, I would find myself just firing that game up and being like, this is great. I love you know? the Fallout games. People yeah. are still playing Skyrim. People are playing uh, 76. Yeah. Which I'm like, what are you guys doing? But um, that, that reminds me, did you see there's a, I forget what the game it was, but some players tried to... uh rally like a a strike like a we're not going to play your game we're we're rejecting this corporate move you guys have made mm-hmm. and again i'm forgetting what it's a space fighting game those people are like nuts like the oh yeah i think i know what you're talking about yeah and then they um oh skill talked about it. and then the the head of the strike uh-huh. team or whatever we're seeing like day of playing the game <laughs> you just can't you just can't resist. it's like listen up. <laughs> we're compulsive okay right. like at some point we can't help ourselves yeah but um i do i do feel like starfield in 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 the in the presentation again i think it's like the, the there's enough there Again, I, I I didn't expect them to say like we we know about the Bethesda jank. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't expecting them to address it directly. Like I know mm-hmm. they wouldn't. But I could see them throwing enough resources to like mm-hmm. make smooth combat. Maybe. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I mean I I'm excited for it. I'm going to play it. I've never played a Bethesda game for the combat. I just want to point out, I don't think it's real. Okay. Putting right. my stake in the ground. I'm. I. Do you think it's going to get delayed again? Um. Any possibility mm, of that? Is there a possibility? Yes. I don't think it will, though. It's scheduled for September, right? I don't think they can. I think. I mean, with the way Redfall was handled and came out i think they can in light of that but again i think and i think phil spencer uh-huh. um also understands what the situation is sure um and he seems very very pleased i don't i don't imagine him walking into another redfall with starfield yeah. right like that's what i'm saying like even if the combat isn't like that I, no, think, I think the whole game is going right. to deliver. I think the on. combat will come out to Bethesda standards, which is not game-breaking. I don't think that there's no combat in the game. Listen, the one thing I'll give you... I just think it's you, going to come out and be janky, the just one like thing all I'll Bethesda you, games are. There were moments in the in the presentation where they showed their Bethesda cut to the thing shooting slow-motion cinematic yeah. that happens when you 
what's Fallout? What's it called? Where you go right the, the vision thing? Yeah, right, the, the yeah. vision thing, where that looked like old school right. combat mode. Where I was like, if it cut to this, if there's a vision mode where it cut to this, yeah, from what you showed me, I would be like, exactly. What game is this? <laughs> yeah. Well, but also like, yeah, I, I, yeah. There's just there's something about it that's off to me. Okay. All right. But day one with Game Pass, right? Yep. That to me blows my like again. I can't. I just can't get over that. Yeah. You, we will get Starfield mm-hmm. day one, just sitting there on the console, being like, "If you want." Yeah. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Um. Anything for next week? Um. There's a. So the new Wes Anderson's coming out in two weeks. Justin. <laughs> don't. Nope. Okie dokie. You know, th- this is the other thing I'll say. Uh, no, maybe that's for next week. Um, the one thing I do want to put in right, right here real quick. Uh-huh. Um, but he's gay. I've read... I finished a few more books. Okay. So what what I just finished. I was at 41. Uh-huh. Last no two, two weeks. weeks ago. In two weeks, where do you think I what what number do you think I'm at now? 41 two weeks ago. 45. 47. See, now are these graphic novels? Two of them are short stories. Okay. One of them, one of them was Jaws, which I was like thirty right. minutes away from finishing uh-huh. when we recorded. One of them is a fifty-minute book. Uh, one of them is two thousand one: A Space Odyssey, which isn't too long. Okay. And breeze through that. Um, another one's only like an hour long. Mm-hmm. It's good. But the one that I wanted to shout out, well, two really quick I wanted to shout out. Okay. Number one, All Hollows by Christopher Golden. And it's a horror book that's just like what finally got me to pick it up with somebody. It's like it's a cross between like Blair Witch and something else. Mm-hmm. And something that made me not want to get it. <laughs> Was another reviewer is like Stranger Things, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't want a Stranger Things clone. Yeah, but this is the perfect. To me, this is these are the books that I want. It involves one night. It's Halloween. Mm-hmm. It involves one neighborhood, where it sets up these like families, mm-hmm. and you get an idea of like this. Family's falling apart. These are the stresses on this family, on the on this child. And when Halloween kicks off, all this like interpersonal drama goes on. Mm-hmm. But then these like weird kids start showing up that no one really recognizes. And they're dealing with their own stuff while also now trying to address this new potential supernatural wrinkle that's just slowly kind of um asserting itself mm-hmm. on these characters lives 
And then when everything, you know, breaks loose and all, or when, when all hell breaks loose, there's like a twist that comes out. That's just like, it's, it's not built to, it just happens because the story is more than just a twist. Right. And, um, it's surprising and man, it stuck with me. Okay. I breezed through it so fast and mm-hmm. I wish I had paced myself. Yeah. And it, it's one of those situations where it's like, I'm scared of a bird box situation. Like I enjoyed it. It made me think of bird box, mm-hmm. but I liked it so much. I'm scared that I'm going to read his other stuff. And it's going to not be as good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm reading a book called Hitman right now, uh-huh. which I would recommend to you. And it's uh, it's about like an assassin. Mm-hmm. It's a series of short stories. And it's just written by like, have you read Elmore Leonard books? No. I like, mean, I know I'm familiar, but no. Yeah, it's that kind of like just no frills, mm-hmm. straight ahead you know, kind of Derek Raymond type, mm-hmm. but not as gross. And with just like a sense of humor on this one. And clearly, again, the whole book is just a series of short stories following this one hit man. But you can see that he just basically asked himself one question mm-hmm. and then explored that question. The question could be a moral question, like who deserves to die in the scenario. And then he writes like a whole short story exploring that with his Mm -hmm. character. And it's just like good, clean writing. And again, it gives you that feeling of like, is this the vision of somebody who's not saddled with the ability to read a thousand books in a year? Right. Who just like read their like noir stuff. And I was like, yeah, I want to write some of that. Mm -hmm. Wrote some of it and then died. (laughs) <laughs> and then like here, here it is for me to read along with all hollows and the 47 other books that I've read this year and just yeah. kind of gorge myself on all this. Right. <laughs> um before we go, speaking of Hitman, Hitman, uh how did Barry end? You want me to straight up spoil it for you? Yeah. Okay. Um so you and Julie are not gonna finish it? Nope. So one interesting thing that I thought was going to happen is uh, Hank was seeming to like be the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, so spoilers for Barry. And if you haven't watched Barry and you're not Justin, watch Barry. Uh-huh. But full spoilers. Um, that sounds like me. So NoHo Hank gets moved in by his old gang, uh-huh. right? Who he and Crystal Ball try to set up a sand business uh-huh. for construction. And they're trying to go legit. Um, and NoHo Hank needs to kill their whole crew in order to save himself and Crystal Ball because now his old you know, gang is coming over to, to move in on their territory right mm-hmm. and take take it over but they'll let them still run it right crystal ball realizes noho hank is a psychopath who could just kill all these people kill what they've done and not 
Bat and I. Crystal Ball is his partner, right? Yeah. Okay. So they end up killing Crystal Ball mm-hmm. in a really like amazing scene. Mm-hmm. Barry is in jail. He escapes because Noho Hank tries to kill him. Um, tries to kill Barry. Yeah. Tries to kill Barry. Barry uses that botched assassination attempt, escapes, goes to Sally, mm-hmm. and Sally's like, I'm done with this world. I'm done with this business. Take me away. Mm-hmm. Flashes forward eight years. They now have a kid. Sally's a drunk, like depressive. Mm-hmm. Barry's like trying to live this like godly life in the middle of a desert. And um, they're still together. They're still together. But again, she's not really there. Uh huh. She's not really providing for the boy. Doesn't really care about the boy seemingly. Uh-huh. It's all Barry. This is Barry's dream that they're living. And after eight years, um, Hollywood is going to make a film about his life. And that brings um, Gene Cousineau uh-huh. out of wherever he, he's been to stop the movie. Before, he was like all about trying to get the movie made because he wants his career right. to go. Right. But now he's had a change of heart. He wants to stop the movie. Barry doesn't realize that. And Barry's like, I'm going to go kill him. Kill Gene. Mm-hmm. To prevent this movie from getting made. Because mm-hmm. then everyone's going to be looking for me again. Mm-hmm. And my son is going to have to watch this about me and blah, 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 blah. Really, he just wants to kill again. Mm-hmm. So he goes to, to stop Gene. He gets caught by the father of Gene's girlfriend who was who Barry killed in season one. Mm-hmm. The that cop father, lady? Yeah, the cop lady. Uh-huh. Hey, did you even get to her father? Yeah. Yeah. So he gets Barry, uh-huh. interrogates Barry, finds out that Barry gave $250,000 to Gene Cousineau. Uh-huh. And that makes Gene Cousineau look like he's in on it. Mm-hmm. So now the guy believes that Gene had Barry kill his daughter. So he accuses Gene. Gene now gets framed mm-hmm. for the murder of his girlfriend through Barry, by means of Barry. Mm-hmm. Barry's just, uh, and that's been true of his whole life, right? He's just the puppet. Right. And so ends with Barry going to Gene, Gene's house, mm-hmm. to basically turn himself in. Um, Noho Hanks kidnapped Sally and his son and has a shootout with Fuchs. Fuchs right. and Noho Hank have a shootout. He kills Noho Hank. Fuchs takes Barry's son, gives his son back to Barry, so they, they're square. Uh-huh. That's Fuchs kind of taking responsibility for what he turned Barry into. Right. Bear, Sally then is like, I can't live with you anymore like this. She leaves, takes the son. He goes to turn himself back in. He's like, okay, I just need to own up to what I've done. And Gene shoots Barry. Gene walks out of a room, pops Barry in his head. Barry's dead. Sally raises the boy, has a change of heart. Uh-huh. And it ends with Barry's son watching 
a movie, the, the movie about his dad glorifying his dad, making his dad look like a hero. How does it make him look like a hero? Because he stopped Gene. Yeah. Gene was the guy who mm-hmm. was pulling the strings, and then Gene shot him. So Gene ends up looking like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting that it came out on Memorial Day, and it probably is the most kind of like critical piece about the military I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like Barry basically is a um, is lionized as a vet hero, mm-hmm. even though he's a psychopath maniac yeah. who had a great military record. <laughs> it's really subversive. It's really great. I loved it. Okay. Bye-bye. I love you. Bye-bye. I love you. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.